Good evening, everybody. So we're continuing tonight on our uh, Torah Chaim project. We have a short three-part series entitled Infusing Kedusha into the Home. Part one of this series will be focused on defining in user-friendly, uh, concrete terms what does Kedusha mean? What is the definition of Kedusha? That's the goal for this evening. If you had to think of the top three things that you would want to be, not want to achieve or want to receive, but top three qualities you would want to be as a person. I'll give you 30 seconds. Think about top three things you'd like to be. Anyone courageous enough to share number one? Truthful? Truthful? Joyful. Joyful. Okay. Beautiful. Humble. Humble. Beautiful. Sanua. Nice. <laughs> that was cheap, Avi. <laughs> Before knowing the title of the sheer, what would you have said? <laughs> Joyful, Sanua, humble. If you were to think of the three things, the three qualities you would want for your child, what would those three things be? Would they be the same? Top three as you want for yourself? Interesting question. It would make sense. It'd be reasonable to assume they would be. I'm not sure we always think along those lines, though. But I'd venture to say that without seeing the title of this, uh, this discussion, the term or the quality of holy would probably not make the top three things we want for ourselves or the top three things we want for our children. Why is that the case? We all know that Kedusha is something very special. We have a mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyu. But why is it somehow it's not really on the radar? When we think of all the wonderful brachos or the, the dream person I'd like to become, why is Kedusha not always part of that picture? Any ideas? Maybe because we don't really understand it. I think so. We don't understand what it means, and I think more than that, Kedusha or Kadosh has a little bit of a, of a negative connotation. Meaning, for example, if you were to picture living a, a happy, joyful existence, do you equate that life to a life of Kedusha? Not, not superficially. Kedusha has the connotation of, you know, we know literally there's a connection between Kedusha and separation or removing myself from the physical. All wonderful things we'd like to attain, but it doesn't really sound fun. Living a life of Kedusha does not sound like a life of joyful, robust expression of, of love and connection. If you look up the definition of holy in the dictionary, this is one of many, but they all have pretty much the same theme. Pious, dedicated or concentrated, consecrated to God or a religious purpose. Sounds like fun? Sacred, hallowed, sanctified, revered. 
These are like biblical expressions. These are not things that we throw around usually. And I think because we have that in our head, that's why the Indian, the topic, the concept of Kedusha is not very attractive. Sometimes in order to define an idea that requires depth, one way of doing it is to try to explore the opposite. What's the opposite of Kedusha? What word comes to mind as the opposite of Kedusha? Tameh. So Tameh literally would be the opposite of Tahor, right? Pure and impure. What's the opposite of Kedusha? Mundane. Where do we find that expression in the Chumash? So in Parshas Emor, we have the Pasuk, Do not profane my holy name. Rather, But rather, you should sanctify me. It seems like from the wording of the Pasuk, the opposite of Kedusha is, is Chilul. Chilul Hashem and Kiddush Hashem. Now, the translation we have here is to profane or to make mundane. Profane is also not something that we relate to. Another very biblical word, right? But what does Chilul Hashem actually mean? The word Chilul, or the Shorish of Ches, Lamed, Lamed, Chalal, we find in many different, many different examples throughout Tanakh, throughout Mishnayis. Oh, so one example. First of all, what is that instrument you play? The flute. What is that in Hebrew? Chalil, right? The chalil. Okay, how do we say a corpse, a dead body? We find this expression in Chumash. Chalal. Halal means kosher for Muslims, <laughs> but it also means, right, a dead body. So what is that mystical connection between a flute and a corpse? And we have, right, chilul. Chilul Shabbos is to profane or to desecrate Shabbos. Chilul and then chalul, what's chalul? That means hollow or empty. Chalulim, chalulim. We have cavities in the body. So all of these ideas that superficially are very different, very distinct from each other. A flute, a dead body. According to Rashi, the word chol, which means mundane, also comes from the same, the same shorish, the same connection. Chilul is desecrate, profane, and chalul is empty. What is the common thread that connects all of these ideas together? What is the tzad hashava shebehen? Hollow. Missing, missing, missing the tochen. Meaning, a human being, to take the classic example, a human being is b'tselem elokim. When a person is alive, they're living with the, the divinity within them. When a person is no longer living, so they're a guf bli neshama. It's a very different entity than it was before. 
It's now missing what? What is it missing? The kedusha, the godliness. That's a chalal. Chilul Hashem, to desecrate or profane the name of Hashem, really means to make empty or to make meaningless, to make shallow that which should be kadosh. The chalil is a hollowed out instrument. That's why it's a chalil. Chalilim, chalilim, the cavities within the body. So the opposite of kadusha is emptiness, is a void. And the ultimate, I guess, extreme would be a void of godliness. That's chilul Hashem. So if that's the opposite of kadusha, can this shed some light on how we might define what kadusha is? More than just saying the word sacred, revered, hallowed, full, nice, right? It's rich. Is that how we usually view kadusha? A life of kadusha we're now translating as, obviously it needs more to build off of, but a life of kadusha is a life of, of fullness or of wholesomeness. To be holy means to be whole, right, with a W. That's what seems to appear from the Pasuk itself. Take a look at the way Rav Chaim Velazhin explains the idea of Chilul Hashem. This is based on the Ruach Chaim, his commentary on the Mishnah Perki Avos. What he's doing here, just to appreciate, there's only a few lines here, but it's incredibly deep. The question is, if we have this basic framework that we're discovering really from the Pasuk and the etymology of the words, that Kedusha is the, the wholeness, the, the divinity, the godliness, and the opposite of that, Chilul Hashem, is a lack or a void of godliness. What, what's the stamma, meaning to say? What's already here? What's present? And we have to be proactive to do the opposite. Are we starting off in a reality of emptiness, of void, and we have to infuse Kedusha into it? Or are we starting off with a reality that's mole, that's filled with, with godliness, and potentially we have the ability to create a void, so to speak, in that godliness? Interesting question. What's the starting point? Is everything imbued with Kedusha? Or is everything a blank slate? It's empty, and we have the choice to, to fill it with Kedusha. What would you assume? So you're saying the starting point is the starting point is Kedusha. Okay. Let's take a look at Rav Chaim Velazhin. He says the same idea. That Chilul Hashem comes from the Lushan of Chalul, of empty. 
Because really, intrinsically, the entire universe is filled with the kavod Hashem, with the glory and the splendor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Through doing an Avera, Hashem, so to speak, and this is obviously beyond the scope of this discussion and likely beyond the scope of, of our abilities to understand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes the Shechina to some degree, creating a void. V'day lahavin. this should be sufficient for those who understand. What's clear from Ruchaim Velazhin, conceptually, is that the starting point is everything is, is godly, everything is kadosh, everything is holy. We have Bechira, we have the freedom of choice that might take something that's so rich and so meaningful, and if we do it in a way that makes it empty, then we're being machalel shem shemayim. We're profaning, but in more accurate terms, we're making empty that which is so rich and so full. But the starting point is there is godliness infused in every fiber of the creation. So the truth is, I was thinking about the title of, of this uh, three-part series, Infusing Kedusha into the Home. Why is that title flawed? There's no need to infuse Kedusha anywhere. There's Kedusha everywhere. There's a distinction between infusing and extracting. Our job is to extract the Kedusha, to take that godliness within every moment, within every personality, within every makom, and, and bring it out. Similar to what we spoke about when we uh, touched upon the, the greatness, the, the limitless potential that we believe lays within every single person, the goal is not trying to get something outside of myself. It's not creating something I'm not already, but it's digging in deep and discovering that within myself. The same thing is true when it comes to this discussion of Kedusha. Kedusha will have to explore and expand upon this idea, but it's living life fully in a wholesome way, extracting the richness of everything that we encounter. It's a very different definition than pious, dedicated, or right, consecrated to God. If we have this framework, and we still have to get to that user-friendly part, where it's more concrete, but even having this feeling of what Kedusha is, then it becomes something automatically, I would love to have more of that in my life. I don't view it as, as cold and, and isolating, but I view that as, as a way of enriching every moment of existence. That's Kedusha. Sometimes you'll have a tagline, making Judaism, and then you could add your real, relevant, beautiful. Why is that tagline bordering on apicorsus? 
you're making Judaism real, <laughs> you're making it relevant, you're making it beautiful. Yiddishkeit is real, and it's relevant, and it's beautiful, and it's deep. It's deeper than you'll ever know, and it has more relevance than you'll ever grasp. We're not making it. We're trying to share that beauty with you. We're discovering it together. We don't make Judaism real. We don't make Kedusha. We extract it. So if you wanted to have a one-line definition of Kedusha, perhaps it would be, Kedusha is connection and closeness with Hashem. Connection and closeness with Hashem. Kedusha, therefore, permeates every area of life, every relationship, our personal dreams and aspirations, and how we engage in Avodas Hashem. When we say relationship with Hashem, it doesn't just mean me standing alone in isolation with God. We're going to speak about that more as well. And there's a time and place where that's necessary. His bodhidus and his bonanus, other forms of meditation. But Kedusha is extracting the godliness within every person, within every situation, seeing that there's so much more than meets the eye. Revolba tells over the story that when he was visiting Rav Hutner, where during his last sukkis, Rav Hutner was not well, he was very weak. It's interesting, the relationship that Revolva had with Rav Hutner in the introduction to the second volume of the Aleshur, Revolva writes that if you'll notice some of my style and even conceptually you'll find some differences between this volume that I'm writing now and my previous volume. I'll tell you who to blame that on. You can blame that on Rav Hutner. Baruch Hashem, I was zochet to have a relationship with the great Rosh Hashiva, Rav Yitzchak Hutner, and because of his influence on me, that's, that's what you'll pick up on when you read the, uh, the second volume of the Alei Shor. So Rav Oba was together with Rav Hutner, and he was very weak, and uh, there were people coming in and out to be in the Vakrachola, to check up on him, just to give him a good yontif. So Rav Oba asked Rav Hutner, he says, Rabbi, you are so shvach, Maybe it's, can I just take a break a little bit? We could put a sign on the door, you know, there's no visiting hours for the next uh, little bit. Take a big deep breath and relax. Why, why are you so weak? Sir Putner explained, throughout all of Cholomoed, Baruch Hashem, there were so many people coming and visiting and trying to schmooze, and it, it takes my, uh, takes my co-host. Sir Volba said, please, just tell them you need a break. And Rav Hutner's response was, I can't. Well, a mensch is a sheinazach, because a human being is such a beautiful thing. That, that's, that's living with Kedusha. Seeing the godliness, appreciating the divinity within every single person, he didn't view it as they were annoying, it's cumbersome. I'm not feeling well, but how could I give up and an opportunity of seeing a mensch. A mensch is a sheinazach. Let's read together a few lines here from the Sefer Bilvavi Mishkan Evna. When he speaks about the topic of Kedusha, 
you'll find different expressions used, and oftentimes they mean a very similar concept. Kedusha can also be called kirvas elokim, closeness with Hashem. That was our user-friendly definition, a feeling of connection and closeness with Hashem, and being aware and sensing that divinity in every aspect in life, and then extracting it. So writes the Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, This is not just something that we know intellectually or we speak about. But this korva, this closeness, this kadusha, which we're trying to tap into, this is the reality of life. This is what life is all about. And obviously in order to get to that point, where we could actually be living in this way and not infusing, but extracting the Kedusha within the home and within ourselves. We need a clear path in our Avoda. How do we get there? How do we navigate through all of the mitzvos to get more of this feeling within us? Ulam, Odlif Nation, Avaris, Derech Lekach, but he writes that before I explain what that Derech is, Reishis, the first thing is, We have to clarify to ourselves that there is no shadow of doubt. What is the goal of my existence? The answer to that question is, Devekis. Devekis is just Hebrew for clinging, for connecting, for Kedusha. That's what we're here for. Not superficial devekas, but devekas panimis, bechol nime hanefesh mamish, internal devekas in every fiber of my essence, feeling and experiencing that closeness with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. This will express itself in every area of life, and obviously it will find expression within our Avodah Hashem. There's a well-known Chazal, one of the reasons why we have pomegranates in Rosh Hashanah, that we're told that even the empty ones, the Jews who are empty from mitzvos, they're still filled up with mitzvos, just like a pomegranate. What's somewhat strange about that Chazal? Even the ones who are empty, Sounds like they're empty of mitzvos, but they're still mole mitzvos karimon. How do you have both? How are you empty of mitzvos, but you also are mole mitzvos karimon? So, Reb David Pavarsky, one of the great Roshi Yeshiva, his svarim are studied in many yeshivas throughout the world, he answers as follows. He said, it could very well be that a person does many, many mitzvos, chesed, and learning, and davening. Yet they might still be categorized as reikon, as empty. Obviously, every mitzvah will bring endless schar. We believe in that wholeheartedly. But am I someone who's mole? Am I full? Am I living a life of that connection, that devekus, that kedusha? Or is there a void and an emptiness within me and within my, my avodas Hashem? 
What's unique about the Rimon? It has so many different seeds in it, but they're all, they're all separate. An apple or a pear or a peach, you have all of the seeds in the middle. It's one entity. They might be separate, but they're all connected in the middle of the fruit. When it comes to a rimon, explained Rodovod Pavarsky, a rimon has seeds everywhere, symbolizing the, the possibility of someone doing so many different good things, so many different mitzvos, but missing that unifying uh, connection between all of them, namely a sense of real devakis and, and, and love and closeness with Hashem. We could have all of the different wonderful things that we're doing and we're keeping halacha, but we're not building ourselves in the process the same way we could if we approached every mitzvah with a different sense of, of perception, of devakis, of, of kedusha. That's what it means that you could be empty, but yet be male mitzvos karimo. So our user-friendly definition going forward for Kedusha is a life of fullness, of, of wholeness, of richness, not something that we're, that we're infusing, but something that we're extracting from every moment, from every interaction, within every communication, within my relationship between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in my Avodah Hashem. That's our user-friendly definition of Kedusha. Yes, question. So how do you know it's, it's real Kedusha, or it's just your perception of what Kedusha is? Like, how, how do you make that determination in your mind? That's a great question. Mrs. Friedman is asking, once we're getting into the kind of, uh, you know, the mushy, feely, right? Kedusha is my sense of being close with Hashem, so maybe I'm fooling myself. Right? Maybe I'm fooling myself. That's why we have to explore. We have two more opportunities to really get involved with, practically speaking, how do we get here? So we'll know, we'll always have some level of doubt, but that's part of being human, but we'll know that we're following the right path. We have this avoda brura in how to get to that place. It doesn't mean that after three times we're all going to be kadoshim, but it does mean that we'll have, I think, a, a greater clarity of what we're striving for and a different association, a different relationship with what kadusha is and why we want it. You know, the, even the title of bringing kadusha into our home, I think that's something that people relate to. I would assume women relate to that more than men. Is that accurate? What's that? None of us know both. That's fair. Okay. Obviously, yes, it is accurate. Because we all want a home. We all want a home of Kedusha. But, but once we get past that, and having that rut zone is, is the first step, we have to really ask the question, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I have that within me? And how can I inspire that within others? So this is our working definition of Kedusha and the goal of Mitzvah the next two times we get together, going to explore how we get there, what are some of the challenges along the way, 
What are the things we could try to avoid? And more importantly, the things we could try to really be mechazek to, uh, to achieve a home. Not putting the Kedusha in, but being able to extract the Kedusha out. Okay, have a great evening.